Welcome to Jazz Talk Seattle. This is the February episode. It is actually now January, but we're recording for February for the future. Yep. <laughs> and here in the studio we have... My name is Max, and I'm very stuffy. And I have a cold. I'm sorry in advance. And our wonderful guest, Delvin Lamar. What up, y'all? And Delvin Lamar is a wonderful Hammond B3 organ player and leads a band called the Delvin Lamar Organ Trio. Delvon. Delvon. Sorry, Delvon. Delvon Lamar Organ Trio. Everybody does it. <laughs> I've heard people on the scene say one or the other, and I flip-flop between the two, and now I've got clarity on which one I'm supposed to You know to what's, say. what's funny? If you say Delvon and Alexa... She won't find it, but if you say Delvin Lamar, she'll find it. Huh. Whoa. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> well. So even Alexa. Who knew? Delvin Lamar <laughs> <laughs> has a wonderful organ trio called the Delvin Lamar Organ Trio. And uh, they've got two records out, right? And one of them is called Close But No Cigar. What year did that come out, Delon? Uh That came out uh, 2018. March, March of 2018. Okay. And the second one was a live at KEEXP yep. record that you did, and that also came out in 2018, right? Yeah, that one, actually, it was released twice. We did a uh, limited edition back in April for a Record Store Day. It was a Record Store Day release. Cool. It was uh, a red vinyl. And then later on, like in December, it literally came out in December mm -hmm. of 2018 on regular black vinyl and CD and everything. So Nice. Cool. So live at KXP, where was this? Tell tell me about the that record. Where was it recorded? Uh, that was a part of the Upstream Music Stream uh, Music Festival, the the Paul Allen's uh, mm -hmm. festival that he had the first year he did it, and uh, it was recorded at a place called uh, Little London Plain down in Pioneer Square. Yeah, I know the place. But the funny story about that album is, uh, we were only supposed to play for twenty minutes, um, but our our setup was so fast and there was a lot of time in between that they said oh you guys can just start playing and then you know five o'clock we'll just start to tape but they recorded it all of it so the first three tracks on that album move on up uh, memphis and uh south leo street stomp were never supposed to be released Whoa. like it was just kind of random like they went back and listened to it and they were like man this is killing nice. let's put up a youtube video of that so there's two different youtube videos and then our record label listened to it. They're like, "Man, we want to release that whole thing," and so they just released it. So. Nice. And were they? Uh, but they were planning to record from the get-go, right? Yeah, they were planning on uh, live streaming it, but it was just supposed to be uh, on on YouTube. There's a warm-up set, and then there's a full video, and the full video was the one that was supposed to be released. I see. But then. They just kind of threw the other one, the warm-up set in there, and that's the video. I think it's like at 4.2 million views now. Whoa. So, yeah, Whoa. it's pretty trippy. That's didn't, really cool. Didn't see that coming. So, I was at the festival, and I tried to get in to see your set, and I couldn't because it was so full, and I just stood there from the window watching for a little bit before I moved yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite recordings are usually the ones that weren't supposed to be recorded, too. Yeah. I got to watch that video. Um, so I guess since we're talking about these records, um, I heard at some point that one of them became really famous in like Austria or something. It was on like the top of the charts or, or something like that. Oh, is that, is that true? Yeah. I, th I think that somebody was talking about how it was the top of the chart somewhere and then 
kind of everybody just started listening to these these records and they got really really famous yeah, really fast i'm not not 100 percent sure what i was but i i do know like we were like super popular in new zealand right now new zealand okay yeah it's <laughs> like i got a, a call from a buddy of mine who um he knows people down in new zealand and he was like man those guys are famous down here so now we're trying to get to new zealand Nice. Have you ever been there or played there before? No, I've never been there. I would love to. It's really expensive to fly down there. Mm -hmm. That that part I do know. Yeah. (laughs) Especially if you're putting an organ on the plane, right? (laughs) (laughs) So that's one of my questions, actually. Uh, You've been touring with this band a lot, like all over the world, all over Europe, all over the States. Uh, What do you do do you like bring a, a a clone wheel digital thing or do you go rent a b3 at the location you get to yeah pretty much all the venues rent them mm-hmm. um you know the the back line is always there for us sometimes we drive um uh most of the time we drive though because sometimes smaller venues won't have access to that and mm-hmm. so if there's enough smaller venues to make it worthwhile then we'll uh we'll just drive and so yeah, rent a drum set and guitar amps. Yeah, and things well, like that we too. usually bring our drums. We'll bring all the gear um, if we need to. But when we go to Europe, like they always rented things, so I we've see. never had to take anything to Europe. I feel like I should just ask the the question for for whoever's listening. Uh, what's your opinion on the electric versions of a, a Hammond B three organ? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> well, it's funny too because I just picked up a uh, one of those Viscount. Um, Little, those are pretty new, right? Yeah, they're they're fairly new. I was checking them out down in Nam, and those things are actually really good. And uh, the thing is, like those things are man, they're getting so close with the technology nowadays that you know a lot of times on recordings, um, you you really can't tell that much. And uh, there's a a dude on YouTube that I found who actually took a Viscount and he had I think a 1958 B3. And he went note for note, chord for chord, back and forth with them side by side. Mm-hmm. And there's very little difference, like, in that video. That was one of the determining factors of me actually getting one of those. Wow. So, actually, I think we should back up just for a second here uh, to provide some context. So, Delvon is a is a Hammond B3 organ player, for the most part. And not everyone knows what that even is. Delvon, what is, what is a Hammond B3 organ? It's, um... An organ, like from, <laughs> from uh, I think they started making them, I think in 35 or something like that, 34, 1935. And there's a whole series of models, usually two rows of keys, um, draw bar settings for changing the sound and tones. Um, they're all mechanical. Uh, the sound is uh, produced by, it has a whole bunch of spinning disc in it with like holes called a tone wheel generator and when they spin you push a key down it opens up um the holes so you can like it's just the same concept of blowing over a pop bottle with liquid in it the more liquid you know will determine mm-hmm. like the pitch and then it has little pickups that amplify it so they have foot pedals too right yep and then usually there's a special kind of speaker that goes along with with the hammer that kind of gives it a a unique sound yeah that's the the leslie speaker yeah it has a spinning horn at the top and a spinning drum at the bottom so like when you you can flip the switch and make it spin fast a lot of people are fascinated with that kind of provides that iconic sound yep yep so 
let's back up even more a little bit for a second. Uh, you didn't always play the Hammond B3 organ, right? I did not. So what? How did that? Where'd you start, and then where did Hammond come in? Well, I started off. Uh, well, I played a lot of instruments, like in school. I've heard you play a lot of instruments. <laughs> <laughs> Bass trumpet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of my newest uh, I didn't toys. Didn't know that existed <laughs> until you showed up one night with that thing. Yeah, but. Uh, Back in junior high school, how I even got started in music in general is I, I basically lied to my band teacher because I didn't want to play, um, I didn't want to take a cooking class. <laughs> and so, so I took the, um, I took the, uh, the guitar, I think it was guitar and, uh, that was the elective class and I saw this big horn on the floor. I was like, Oh, I can play that. He was like, good. I'll put you in band. In reality, I had no idea what that horn was, but it was a baritone <laughs> horn. Now I know. So he put me in band and I picked the thing up and I could play it just naturally right out the gate. And so like when we were in the band room, I used to go just like put together instruments in the back room and just play them. And that's how I knew I can play like any instrument in the band room and so in that band class i kind of cycled through all the instruments i played tuba for a while i played trombone i played flute played drums um but then i ended up settling on at first it was saxophone and drums i played tenor sax and drums for a while and then i started playing trumpet instead of the tenor sax and it been trumpet and drums and i played that for like most of my all the way up until maybe I was like 22, 21, 22, and then I discovered the organ. And How did you wow. discover the organ? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. No. Um, we were, uh, I ended up getting a call from Joe Doria, organist here in Seattle, um, uh, McTuff, and uh, he asked me if I wanted to fill in for back in the day was John Wicks was the drummer. And, uh, I was like, okay, but I didn't know he played organ. I've never seen one outside a church. Like, I remember seeing an organ, pastor's wife played organ. I wasn't really into music then. But, um, and I got there, and it's just like, man, that's cool. And I used to just watch him. It was me, Joe Doria, and Dan Heck, guitarist. Um, and we did a trio thing for uh, a long time, maybe about a year into our every Wednesday at the art bar. Uh, one day a drummer comes in. I didn't know who it was, but it was Julian McDonough. Uh, okay. <laughs> I had no quite idea a, who he was back then. <laughs> yeah. And he comes in, he sits in on drums and I just asked Joe if I can play the organ. And he did. And I sat down at the organ. We played a blues like I've been playing the organ the whole time. So <laughs> I basically learned how to play organ by watching Joe do it for a year. So that's it. And that was my thing from then on out. Wow. Wow. Well, there there you have it. <laughs> <clears throat> so you went to high school around Seattle? You kind of grew up around here? Yeah, I went. To, I've been in Seattle my whole life. I went to Rainier Beach and uh, Rainier Beach High School and Cleveland High School was where I finally ended my high school years. Cool. So your your band nowadays is playing pretty much funk only, right? Yeah, you, for, and by that I mean D-Lo 3. I think you have a couple. There's Disorganized as well. Is that still a thing? Or Yeah, yeah. Okay. We're actually um, going to start doing that again, start taking that project on the road. Cool. And uh, that's the goal for 2019, and then D-Lo 3 as well. Sweet. 
So people, I mean, you've kind of gotten relatively famous pretty recently here. And I think a lot of people kind of know DLO3 as your main main project, right? Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much a funk trio, correct? Yeah. So I know you mainly as a as a jazz player. At least that's how you know that's how we started. Dolvan mm-hmm. and I have played music together for a while. And um, so, do you have any plans to like kind of show these these new fans some more sides of your playing in the future? Oh yeah. Well, uh, one of the things that uh, um, that I'm working with uh, with my wife and manager Amy Noble, she's taking me on um, as an independent artist under Noble Productions. And so that's one of the things is uh, we plan on, you know, you playing with cats from different cities and we just fly out. I'd write music, send it to them, and I fly out and get to work with artists and different different artists in different cities. And <clears throat> it would be more of a straight-ahead jazz thing, mix a little funk and soul in there, you know, type yeah. deal. So um, keep it interesting and keep it fresh. Is that something you started doing already, or is it in the no, works and you're working No, we're on? in the works of it. Actually, they're, she's working on a tour right now of doing that. So Nice. So that's another thing I was actually going to ask about, because nowadays if you go around around town here and you talk to people, if you're trying to find out some, some information about labels or productions or, or things like that, most people will say, oh, go talk to Amy. <laughs> yeah. And it, it wasn't really that long ago that Amy wasn't really doing any of this, right? It's yeah. kind of a, a recent thing, and she's just kind of hit it really, really well. well How did that start? What what happened there? Well, she got tired of hearing me complaining and moaning about not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so she, uh, that's the thing, is like, she's actually the founder of Delvon Lamar Oregon Trio. Um, she actually, it was her idea because I wasn't going to do it. I never wanted to start on my own band. Um, huh. So she was like, dude, just get the musicians in a room, and I'll do all the rest. So, uh, you know, like three years later, I actually did it. Like, she'd been talking about it for a long time. And and that's what I did. And she took over, and, man, she ran with it. And she's killing it. <laughs> wow. And then eventually you guys got signed to a label, right? Mm-hmm. And then, so she's your production manager, but you're on a label as well? Yep. Cool. So how how is that? I mean, for the people here in town maybe who have never been on a label, what's what's that like? It's cool, man. It's kind of exciting. You know, you're getting technical contracts and stuff like that. So yep. it's kind of nerve-wracking, <laughs> you know, making sure you don't sign the wrong document. But uh, we were very fortunate to find, uh, you know, and this is all Amy did this as well. She's the one that got assigned to uh, Coal Mine Records. Um, it's uh, they are very uh, artist friendly. It's a very artist friendly label. Like they don't, you know, they they're all about the artist. Um, there's very little overhead for us in terms of you know finance and things like that. They take really good care of you. So they're they're a good label. Cool. And it's ran by musicians. So so they know the deal, you know. Do you have any advice for things to watch out for? Um if you're trying to maybe take a similar path? Man, just be careful, be careful, be careful what you sign cuz <laughs> man, once you sign it, it's done and you can get lucky and get out of it, but don't count on it. 
So just be aware, like, if you need to, get a lawyer. If you don't understand, I highly recommend getting a lawyer to read over this stuff because that that is a huge factor in a lot of downfalls to up-and-coming bands is they sign something because they're excited about, oh, yes, this record label is big, it's famous, and then they don't really know the contract, and then it ends up being a problem. There are a lot of sharks out there in a lot of places. Yep. So let's talk about touring a little bit. Uh, you've toured where recently? Um, we just came back from New York. We played at the Bitter End cool. over there in New York and also the Brooklyn Bowl. Um, before that, we just came back from Spain in October. We did a eight-day Spain run and three days in Paris. That was interesting. And I, was, <laughs> some, I must say, some good food over there in Spain. I tell you that much. So, what part of Spain? Uh, we went to uh, Madrid, La Lina, San Sebastian. I've heard San Sebastian has really good food. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty solid. I think they're known for their chefs there. Mm-hmm. It was like a holiday, or something where they celebrate their chefs. I'll I think say, fending I off Napoleon or something. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even know that, but yeah, it was man, it was great. Yeah. Cool. Well, do you have any stories, favorite experiences from your tours so far? Anything <laughs> anything weird? Anything crazy? Uh, eh. I always like to get little fun stories out of people. Yeah. I gotta think on that. I'm trying to... Okay. You can come back on, to that if you want. <laughs> think on that's rated PG-13 <laughs> at least. <laughs> it can be... Yeah. It can be borderline. It can be borderline. Uh, man... Okay, yeah, we'll so come back to that one. One of the questions that I've had is that uh, I know or I heard that you're moving to Austin coming mm-hmm. up pretty soon, right? Yep. In fact, I think by the time this episode comes out on the internet, you'll be already in Austin. Yep. What is going to happen to your band? How is that going to How's that going to work? Are your bandmates moving with you, or are they staying here? No, they're not moving with me. Um, the thing is, with Dove Alamar Oregon Trio, it's uh, we're a touring band, anyways. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we spend more time on the road than we do in Seattle. So it, it didn't really matter where I lived or where any of us lives. You know, um, my plan is, and what I already do is since rehearsals are few and far between, we don't really rehearse that much. Um, we, uh, I like to multi-track music, my ideas, and then I'll send it to them. They can mm-hmm. listen to it. They put their own spin and flavor to it. And, uh, when we get to rehearsal, you know, they already have the concept of the song, and so it's mostly just fine-tuning, which means, so when we get in rehearsals, we can knock out a lot of stuff in a really short period of time. Yeah. So that's what I plan on doing from Austin. Cool. It's just, it is still work the same. Like, we're going to be going on a month-and-a-half tour in April, you mm-hmm. know, so we'll be doing that. And as you're multi-tracking, are you recording the organ and guitar and the drum parts and then sending to them? Yep. Like, you're playing all three of those things. Yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic i told you he plays everything <laughs> do you put stuff down on charts at all or they just gotta no. learn it by ear no they they, they they pretty smart dudes they figured out <laughs> that's the best way so why texas um i was down there uh i did a um a one-off as an independent artist um uh, with it was an organ summit down at a, a club called Antones in Austin, Texas, back in September, and uh, man, it's just like you know there we were there for like five hours. We were already looking for places to live, you know. But 
it just felt like I was supposed to be there a long time ago. You know, I kind of feel like I was snoozing. (laughs) And when I got there, I like woke up and just like, man, there's so much happening. There's so many good musicians, so many things happening. And it just kind of feel like I was supposed to be there. So that was really the reason. So we try that. One of the things I want to start doing is incorporating like Seattle musicians and musicians down in Austin. Just kind of interchanging fly cats over, do some sessions and things like that, maybe tour, things like that. But that's one of my goals to do. Very cool. So one of my last questions here is really what's uh, what do you see um, different about the scene uh, in Austin and in other cities that you've maybe toured to uh, when compared to Seattle? Well, Seattle has a scene, man. It's like, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff. I, I feel Seattle's very underrated right now. It's like, seems like not a lot of cats outside of Seattle are recognizing what's actually happening in Seattle. And that's one of the things I've been doing when I, you know, travel is spreading the word about what's going on in Seattle and pay attention. Cause there's a lot, um, you know, being down in Texas, man, is 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 it's a different thing. Uh, I must say, I've actually never been anywhere like it. It's like there's music everywhere, and what I mean, everywhere, everywhere, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and like, and there you like some killing cats, you know, and so. I don't cool. know if that answered your question at all. Yeah, no, that's cool. <laughs> Just a little window into other places. Yeah. Well, one of the rec- one of the tracks on uh, your Close But No Cigar record that I really like is actually the first one, Concussion. Can mm-hmm. you tell me a bit about that? What? Why is it called Concussion? Well, I didn't name that tune. That tune was actually uh, named by the drummer Rippin' Chicken, uh, Ollie Klump. Um, he actually wrote lyrics to it, too. It was kind of funny. Well, he didn't really write it, but he was just kind of freestyling, and mm-hmm. that's where the Concussion name came from. I wish I could remember how it went, but it was pretty funny. Does he remember how it went? I don't know. I have to ask him. <laughs> I have to, we have to document this. But, uh, yeah, it's like I you know, I wrote that tune. I was actually driving to a rehearsal. Um, uh, it wasn't D-Lo 3. It was another project that I was doing uh, with this cat, Brian Kirk, drummer, and Dean Reichard was a guitar player. Mm-hmm. These guys are great. Yeah. And... Uh, and I, I pulled up, and we were rehearsing at the Seattle, uh, uh, with a, what's the one on Capitol Hill, the college? Uh, Cornish? No, the other. Seattle Central? Seattle, Seattle Central, Central yeah. yeah. And so, it's funny, like, I was parallel parking, and then that song just popped in my head. I was just like, oh, and I was, like, trying to sing it. I was, like, hmm. singing it while I'm parallel parking, and then I'm, like, singing it all the way to, like, the place so I can get on a piano and kind of mess with it. But the door, he uh, Brian wasn't there yet, so we couldn't get in. And so I'm, like, in the hallway <laughs> just pacing back and forth, like, I got to keep the song in my head. <laughs> and you hear hearing the whole arrangement, too? I, I heard the whole thing from wow. start to finish. I really like that track a lot, especially when the the organ plays like a melody and you tosses it to the guitar and yeah. like goes back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a cool tune. Well, I have a, I have one more thing to ask about Hammond B threes since they're pretty bulky and heavy. Uh, they're also usually. I mean, do they make new ones, new actual organs? 
they're all digital nowadays. That's what I thought. Like, they make them that look like old B3s, but they're all digital on the inside. So, they tend to break down from time to time, right? Yes. The real ones. <laughs> so, I've seen some pretty strange things happen with uh, in terms of organ repairs on the stage. Yep. What what are some things that you've done or had to do? Has your organ ever broken? Like, oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I know yeah. it has because I've seen it. But, <laughs> but what 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 do you have to do sometimes to, to fix Man, it? Though, you know, the thing about uh, uh, Hammonds is uh, they're they're very well made. Like they outdid themselves back then with those things, and they're virtually indestructible. Most of the problems that you ever get from them are loose wires. And oh, okay. the biggest problem with that is there's a lot of wires. I mean, a lot of wires. So finding the wire that came off can take you a while. But uh, for most part, I've never had any major mechanical functions. But I have showed up to a gig before, and the thing didn't turn on. <laughs> <laughs> How did that gig go? Uh, it didn't. I, I, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I had to. Uh, so I'll tell this story real quick. So it was with the saxophone player, Frank Cantalano, at uh, Tula's. And we did the sound check. Everything worked great. And then we get to the set. We start playing the first song of the set. Halfway through the song, the organ dies. Just powers off. And I was like, oh. So I kept turning it on and trying to turn it on, and it just kept dying off. And so I plug in my soldering iron. That was like the next (laughs) rational thing to do. I'm like, well, something's (laughs) off. Something has to be. And we're fidgeting around the back. Never did get it working. So I ended up having to push that organ to the back of the stage during our set break, drive all the way to the Sea Monster Club, grab their A100, (laughs) drive back to Tula's, play the second set. And here's how I figured out what it was. So the next gig, I gave it to my organ tech. He had it for like three weeks. He's like, dude, I cannot replicate the problem at all. So... I played in Portland with Devon Lewis's limited edition. Mm-hmm. Same thing. First song, organ dies. I was like, what is going on? And so as I was trying to uh, take the back off the organ, I bumped the power cord. It wasn't even the organ. It was the power cord. It wasn't like it was like <laughs> kind of wonky in there. And so you wiggled the cord. It was turning the organ off and on. So we just put another extension cord. You're kidding. Wow. <laughs> that, was, that was the problem. Have you tried the on and off button? <laughs> Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. (laughs) Well, one of the questions that I really like to ask any musician guest that shows up and hangs out with us is, what are you working on these days? What do you, or more specifically, what do you practice? How do you go about practicing? Practice? What's that? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I gotta admit, I hardly ever practice anymore, man. It's like, you know, life and things going on, been crazy busy. Um, you know, every now and then I get to, to practice, but I, I usually just record my ideas in my phone and sing them when we get to where we're at. <laughs> and sometimes our rehearsals are in real time on stage, you know, this is, this is how we do it. Fair enough. Well... <laughs> Yep. I certainly can't tell. You sound fantastic every time I see you play. Oh, thank you. So, on that note then, (laughs) are there um, new recording projects in the works that you're working on at all? Uh, We are working on a Del Valamar studio album number two Mm -hmm. that's um, 
Not sure when that's going to be out yet. Still got some little politics and things within there, so um, keep an eye out for that. Um, cool. Um, let's see. Oh, well, I guess we kind of already talked about it, but I was just going to ask uh, if you have any goals, uh, like long-term goals, like maybe for 10 years or, or more down the road. You don't have to. I'm oh, just no, curious. No, no, no. <laughs> One of my goals is, as good as it is and fun as it is, sitting in a van for hours and hours and hours a day. <laughs> uh, one of my goals is to just produce music. It's like I want to um, start writing music, producing like hip-hop tracks and things like that. Start working with some different genres of music. Mm-hmm. I want to produce for a rock band because i got a lot of music like rock music in my head i don't know why i just i do right now whoa cool i've been multi-tracking it's hard to find a really good like like vst guitar instrument Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. they pretty much for the most part i've never heard a good one so it's hard to do that so i need to but yeah there's there's a lot of things that I, I, i plan on doing well i look forward to checking out whatever you do uh, you're going to be playing at the Portland Jazz Festival, right? Mm-hmm. On uh, March 1st? Yep. Cool. Where can we find uh, your upcoming shows? Um, if we want to stay you in can, touch. You check us out on uh, DLO3Music.com. Um, uh, we are working on some stuff in the Pacific Northwest around that <laughs> uh, March 1st. Um, nothing confirmed yet, but some in the works, so just keep an eye out. And wherever you're listening to, if you're going to be down south or anything in April, uh, we're doing a month and a half long tour starting April 2nd. And uh, I think the last day is like May 19th. And we're starting down south, Alabama, Florida's up through New York and Chicago. And Wow, cool. Yeah, that's going to be a long, long drive. Uh, sounds really exciting. So that's DLO3DLO3.com, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. Oh, DLO3music.com. DLO3music.com. Thank you. If you Important do DLO3, detail. you get a, a vape machine. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Uh, that's awesome. Oh, okay, boy. I think we're at about time here, probably. Cool. Um, just a reminder for our listeners, you can find us at Jazz Talk Seattle at pretty much any social media or podcast feed app um give us a like on facebook maybe write us a review on itunes if you feel like it and uh why don't we close out this episode with uh one of devon's tracks on his close but no cigar album this is concussion awesome <laughs>